0: Good morning. Good morning. Again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, I, will, I believe that our outlook in life is affected by our perspective, and I believe that when it comes to our perspective, by and large, we see what we are looking for. One of the many blessings of being a child of God and walking with him is that God helps us to see things as they are. And if you know God, then you have to see good. For uh, with God, there is always hope and there is always uh, the blessed assurance of his faithfulness. I I try to remember when I see thorns uh, that there is also a greater portion of grace to be seen. Uh, And that when I see trial or trouble, that there is also grace and mercy. Uh, The psalmist declares in 59 verse 17, Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy. Uh, I'm glad that we serve the God that we serve, uh, who is good to us in spite of the fact that we are not always good to ourselves. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. Uh, now Brother Will mentioned that uh, we're just a little bit behind time. Uh, now, because we're just a little bit behind time, I have a story I wanted to tell you about the preacher who set his watch on the pulpit. Uh, so y'all remind me Wednesday. I'll tell you that story Wednesday. We don't try to uh, uh, not be... You know, lose more time for me uh, trying to be a jokester. But, but Wednesday night, somebody remind me uh, to tell you the story about the preacher who set his watch uh, on the podium. Uh, we want to direct your attention this morning uh, to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, let me say very quickly uh, about this time of year, someone invariably asked me, uh, Do I have an Easter sermon? Uh, if you know the gospel, uh, it is impossible to preach the gospel and not preach an Easter sermon. First uh, Corinthians 15, Paul tells us one of the fundamental uh, parts of the gospel message is the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. And I don't know how you preach the gospel at any time, whether it be Sunday or some other day of the week, and, and not mention the fact that Jesus is a risen Savior. Uh, So it really doesn't change anything for me. Uh, You know, if you just preach the gospel, you will preach uh, an Easter sermon. Uh, Having said that, we want to direct your attention to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, We want to read again there verse number 30. There in your Bibles and great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Based on uh, the account here recorded for us by Matthew, we want to use this morning as a subject, Jesus, helper to the hurting. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Matthew chapter 15, It is declared to us in verse number 30 that Jesus healed a great many people of whom it could be said were hurting. But I submit to you that the list of the hurting is not restricted to those with physical pains and sicknesses. For indeed there is headache and stomach ache, but there is also heartache and heartbreak. And it is true that even in our world today, with all of our uh, technological advances and all of our medical advances, that there are still people in our world today that are hurting physically. But I would venture that there are many more that are hurting spiritually and mentally. So the list of the hurting includes not only the lame, the blind, the maimed, etc., but it also includes the depressed, the discouraged, and the defeated. I further submit to you that every life knows its own share of sadness, sickness, sorrow, or pain. You remember the words of the great patriarch, Job, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And inasmuch as these things are so, I'm glad that Jesus is a helper to the hurting. And when we talk about people that are hurting, just appreciate in life that there are people who don't want to know about your pain, much less help you with it. Every time somebody asks you how you're doing, they don't really want to know how you're doing. I believe this is one of the truths to be gleaned from the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, You remember in the Good Samaritan that there were some that saw the man laying there hurting, but they passed by on the other side. But when we consider the person of Jesus, uh, his purpose to help and the activity of his help uh, in Scripture are substantial. You remember in Matthew 11, verse number 28, he gives the great uh, uh, invitation, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Luke 19, verse 10, he declares that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. His whole purpose in coming was to help. But then in John 21, in verse number 25, uh, uh, speaking to the activity of his help, John said, there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. If anything could be said about Jesus, he is a helper. It is declared to us in verse 30 that great multitudes brought their herding to Jesus. And doubtless, part of the reason uh, behind this is that they believed or at least hoped that Jesus would help. But, But I submit to you that people come to Jesus not only because of his ability to help. People also come to Jesus because he's kindly disposed so to do. You know, when you need help, you don't really want to go through a whole lot of changes in getting the help. I already need help. Don't make me need help on top of the help. And again, just appreciate in life that everyone that is able to help does in always. ways. And I'm persuaded that our failure to help one another is not always due to our inability to be helpful. You know, sometimes people want help and it's just beyond what God has blessed you to be able to do. You know, if your help is you need $10,000, then I feel for you, I pray for you, but that's just beyond my ability to help you at this point in time. But I remember Jesus saying in Matthew 5, verse 42, Give to him that asketh thee, and for him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. And I believe what Jesus is saying there is, I know you don't always want to help when you can, But when you can help, make sure that you do. So when we look at Matthew chapter 15, uh, and and we consider what is told to us here, and we consider the person of Jesus, I I, I submit to you that Jesus is a helper to the hurting because, number one, he's willing to identify with our pain. Uh, Among human beings... It is necessary that one have a like experience before he can identify with another's pain. Now, not just, I know the story of, that you told me about your pain, but, but, but I've been through what you've been through. And, and, and even then, I don't know how you feel, but I do know what it feels like. You ever hear somebody say that at a funeral? Uh, you know, you've lost a loved one and they've lost a loved one, so they say, I know how you feel. No, no, you know how it feels, but, but you don't know necessarily how I feel. See, your relationship with your loved one was not necessarily my relationship with my loved one, but you do know what it feels like, but, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean you know what I'm feeling. But, but when we talk about this idea to identify, I, I believe that Paul's compassion for his countrymen was rooted in his own experience as an erring religious zealot. In other words, Paul could identify with people who were wrong in their religious convictions. And, 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 you know, if you can identify, you can be short with people. You can lack compassion and understanding. But Paul could say, I know what it's like to think that you're right but be dead wrong. I, I know what it's like to think you're doing service to God and actually be fighting against Jesus, Paul says, I can identify with that. So so he says, Romans 10, 1 through 3, "Uh, uh, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Well, well, Paul, why are you praying that for people that are actively working against you? Well, Paul said they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And I can identify with that. I know what it is to have a zeal of God, but to be wrong in, in all your zealousness. Paul could identify with the idea of being an erring zealot. And when we talk about your pain, uh, appreciate that that everybody can identify with your pain. Now, now many will judge your pain. They'll analyze your pain. They'll criticize your pain. But, But comparatively, few are willing to even try to identify with it, much less be able to identify with it. Uh, But Jesus is able to identify with our pain uh, uh, for at least two reasons. Uh, One, because of his experience, and then two, because of his knowledge. Now, his experience in Hebrews 4 and verse number 15, uh, the Hebrew writer tells us that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he was without sin. Jesus said, I know what it's like to be just flesh and blood. You ever been talking to somebody about your pain and you tell them you don't understand what it's like? Jesus said, I understand what it's like from an experience standpoint, I understand what it's like. I know what it's like to have your friends turn against you. I know what it's like to have people just lie on you. I mean, and tell them dirty lies on you, not, not just, you know, it's, it, I mean, I know what it's like for folk to just be flat dishonest concerning you. Whatever it is that we go through, Jesus said, that's one of the reasons I took on flesh, so I could identify with your pain from an experience standpoint. See, I, I want to know what it's like to, to be able to uh, uh, have to say, I, I'm at the complete mercy of the Father. You remember when he was being tempted by Satan? Satan said, if you be the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Do you know why Jesus wouldn't do that? Because he's trying to identify with our pain. See, I don't know about you, when I'm in a tight spot, I just can't turn stones into anything. You know, if I had that power, man, look, the rent is due. Ain't no, let me go outside and get a couple of rocks. I'll fix that real quick. I, I, see, I, but I don't have it like that. i got to trust the Father. Well, well, Jesus said, I, I, I want to identify with your experience. I need to go through what you have been through or, or will go through and, and so that I can identify from an experience standpoint. Uh, 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 when I've been through what you've been through, there, there's a quality of help and counsel that I'm able to give that, that transcends what I call disinterested theology. You ever have somebody give you some disinterested theology counsel? Uh, you come and share your pain with them, and they tell you, well, brother, just have faith. <laughs> now, now, I ain't mad at you. We need faith. I, I remember what Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But, but see, if it was just as simple as just having faith, I believe that we'd all be miles ahead of where we are right now. You know, it's never as simple as all you have to do. You know, all you have to do is trust God. Well, well, if that's all you have to do, and again, I think we'd all be further along than we are. See, see, all you have to do is stop telling me all I have to do is. I, I don't need any disinterested theology. I need somebody that's willing to identify with my pain and, and can give me some good counsel on it. See, see, Jesus can identify with our existence in the flesh. And, and he never counsels us concerning life all you have to do is live right. And you know, you can read your Bible start to finish, and you never hear Jesus say all you have to do is live right. Now, now if you just want disinterested theology, that is all you have to do. All you have to do is live right. You want to go to heaven, all you have to do is live right. Uh, and you want to have peace in yourself, all you have to do is live right. But, but it's never as easy as all you have to do. And when you listen to Jesus talk about life, Jesus embraced the reality of life. You remember Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14? Jesus said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. But but then he said, the road that leads to life is straight and narrow and few will find it. Jesus didn't say all you have to do is go through the straight gate. Jesus said, let me tell you something. It's going to take some discipline and some effort and, and some grace and mercy from God and all of that to enter in through the straight gate. But Jesus identifies not just because of his experience, but he's also able to identify because of his knowledge. In Psalm 31, verse 7, the psalmist declares, You have known my soul in my adversities. See, God understands not only our hurt, but he also understands how our hurt hurts us. He knows our soul in adversity. You know, it ain't too many people want to know your soul and your adversity. I, I, look, I might know what you're going through, but I'm not trying to empathize with your pain. I, hey, look, you going through it, and I'm going to pray for you, but I'm glad it's not me that's going through what you're going through. But, but God looks at us. Remember, God as a father, use the parent-child analogy. What parent ever looked at your child and saw your child suffering, and you didn't suffer too? Well, what parent looks at your child and your child is hurting, and you don't hurt, and, and sometimes worse than your child is hurting? You know, it's one of those, if I could take the hurt and hurt for you, I would. Do you remember when God spoke to Moses uh, in Exodus chapter 3? God didn't just tell Moses, tell them I am that I am hath sent you. God told Moses, I have seen the affliction of my children. Not not just I know what's going on, but because they are hurting, I hurt. Uh, I'm their God. It it just does something to me to see my people suffer and, and, and appreciate God wasn't suffering at the hand of the Egyptians. The Egyptians couldn't do anything to God, but he knew the pain and suffering of his children. And because his children were going through something, he was going through something. God is able to identify with our pain. And because he can identify with our pain, he doesn't give us that disinterested theology. Jesus says, I I understand what you're going through, and it hurts me to see you hurting because of what you're going through. That's why I invite everybody to come to me, and, and I'll give you rest. But not only is he willing to identify with our pain, but consider further that he's able to understand our need. If it's true that I'm hurting, then it's equally true that I need help. You know, we don't always want to admit that we need help. You know, sometimes folk ask you, how are you doing? And I mean, and your life is falling apart at the seams. And what do we say? Ah, I'm fine. Yeah, everything's good. And I know you can't tell your business to everybody. And, you know, everybody ain't asking because they really want to know how you're doing. But if I'm hurting, then I need help. And not everyone appreciate, appreciates what it means to help. See, help is not always giving me what I'm asking for. Sometimes the best way to help me is to have the ability and the courage to tell me no. Now, now for example, if I'm irresponsible with money, I mean, I, you know, I spend it as soon as I get If I'm just irresponsible with money and I come try to put the touch on you for a few dollars, Sometimes the best way to help me is to tell me no. You, You don't need more money. Boy, you need to be more responsible with the money you had. And maybe doing without will help you to be a little more responsible the next time you get some in your hands. When we look at Matthew chapter 15, those with physical afflictions and maladies in this crowd needed more than just healing of their physical condition. Now, mind you, I would venture that if I had been in that crowd, my biggest concern would have been different from my greatest need. Your greatest need is your soul's salvation. But if I had been in that crowd with one of those afflictions, I I believe my concern at the time would have been, I hope I get a chance for him to touch me too. You know, if if they had carried me in there, I'm sure hoping I'm able to walk out of here. If, If I had come in with a sickness, I sure hope I leave here healed. I I can understand someone being preoccupied uh, uh, with the healing of the physical in Matthew chapter 15. And sometimes in life, we're preoccupied with things other than our greatest need. You know, my greatest needs are spiritual, but that's not always my biggest concern. See, quite often, we don't appreciate what our real needs are. I'm just glad. I'm glad that God's ability to work in my life is not restricted to what I understand or what I appreciate. See, if you talk to us about our needs, you know, just depending on who you ask. If you ask somebody, what do you need? Somebody will say, I need a spouse. I need a husband. I need a wife. If I, if, I, if I could just get married, man, look, all the rest of the stuff I can deal with. Somebody else would say, I need a better job. You know, I just get tired of going to work haggling with folk every day. Well, you may not haggle because you need a better job. You might just need to be a better you. Somebody else would say, I-, I need more money. Well, if you're irresponsible with your money, more money not going to solve your problem. You know, you can get a job making more money, but if you're irresponsible, the more you make, the more you will spend. And you'll find that I can have the same woes with a six-figure salary as I do with no salary at all. When we talk about, you know, our needs, from the time of the promise by God to give Abraham a son in Genesis chapter 12 until Isaac was born in Genesis chapter 21, uh, 25 years passed. In Genesis chapter 15... Which is somewhere around ten years after Genesis 12, uh, Abraham says effectively to God, "I need an heir." You go back and read Genesis chapter 15. I now I'm you know I'm paraphrasing, but I believe that's what uh, Abraham is saying to God. I need an heir. And and, and I get what Abraham is saying. You know, I'm glad I have Ricky. You know, when when you got a son, you just just, look. Abraham, I can identify with. Look, I'm glad I got a son. I understand what you're saying. I need an heir. I I, I feel you, Abraham. I'm not judging you. I I can identify. You know, it's just something about as a man. It's just something about. You know, that most of the time why we name our sons after us. You know, with Sister Cook, when, when it was a boy, ain't no question about what we're gonna name this one. I think I'll fight you in the hospital and everybody else. I know what this boy's gonna be named. It's just something about having an heir. So Abraham says, I need an heir. Well, Abraham, I'm not mad. You might want an heir. You, you might in your mind need an heir. But but God looked at Abraham and said, Abraham, you need an heir, but you need some other things first. See, so you, you need to strengthen your relationship with me. You need to learn to stop listening to every idea your wife come up with. Yeah, yeah, you need an air, but you need some other things first. And, and, and I say that to say sometime in life we think we need things, and God is saying, I see what you need, but you need some other things before you get that. Yeah, yeah you, you may need that, but let's work on some things that will help you be a faithful steward of that once I give it to you. And you know, God just looks at what we need, and sometimes God says, "Yeah, you need that, but you need some other things." First, you know, from Genesis three on, we needed a Savior. Yeah. Look how much time went by before God finally sent Jesus into the world. And, and, and if you read uh, uh, Galatians four verse four, uh, the Bible says, "When the fullness of the when, when the right time came." Now, now we needed a Savior ever since Genesis, uh, ever since the Garden of Eden. God let thousands of years go by before he sent Jesus. See, because you need a Savior, but you need some other things. See, you need to know that you're a sinner. You need to understand how sin messes your life up. See, if I just send you a Savior, savior and you don't even appreciate what sin is, you won't even want the Savior. Look, you know what sin is, and some of you still won't accept the Savior. Sometimes we need things, but God said you need some things before you get the things that you appreciate that you need. God is able to understand our need. And then third there, God is able to bless us in our distress. I'm glad God can bless us in our distress. Because when you ask me, when I have trouble in my life, my first choice of solution is removal. You know, when, when something's going on, Lord, can you take this? And, and sometimes that's what I'm open to. You know, if I don't get removal, I'm going to pout. You know, but you know what I've learned? You can pout all you want to. You, you don't muscle God into doing anything. You're the one that needs help. Now you can sit there and pout. Now you got two problems. The problem you came to me about and the problem that you're pouting. You know, because I won't do what you want. Removal is not always in God's plan. But sometimes the help I really need is the strength to keep going in my pain and not the removal of my pain. You know, that was a reason for Paul's thorn in the flesh. You look at 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Paul says, lest I should be exalted above measure. See, there was a reason God allowed the thorn. God didn't want me to become high-minded. You know, get, get too big for my britches. So, so God's way of helping me with that was allowing this thorn in the flesh. You ever stop to think maybe some of the things that I'm going through, God is blessing me in a way that maybe I don't appreciate? You know, thorns can be blessing. Now, they ain't pleasant to you, but they can bless you. See, thorns can do something. things. thorns can help remind you, you know, I'm not superman or superwoman. You know, sometimes we think, I can take care of myself, I don't need anybody. Thorns have this way of humbling you. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just, you know, I would never do A, B, or C. Yeah, that's because you're not in that position. Right. Right. But, but let the wrong set of circumstances find you. Thorns can be humbling. And if God had removed the thorn, as Paul had asked, Paul would have missed out on some blessings. When you get a chance, go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If Paul would have missed the blessing stated in verse number 7. He would have missed the blessing stated in verse number 10. Now now go back and read it, and if you don't find them, come back and ask me. But, but, but he would have missed those two blessings. But, but he also would have missed the blessing of being a blessing to those encouraged by his example. You ever know when you're going through something, it's not just about what you're going through? You know, folk watch you and they can be encouraged by your example. You know, when I read Job, I, man, I look, Job, I, brother, I just want to shake your hand. You know, because sometimes it just helps you put stuff in perspective. You know, I'm over here whining and crying about this, but, but then I look at what Job went through. You know, I ain't lost all my stuff and my, all my children. You know, so that, that's what you, it, 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 the weather isn't to your taste today, that's what you're going to grumble about. Yeah, Would you trade places with Job and go through what he went through? God can bless us in our distress. You know, but sometimes we get so locked in on removal until if God doesn't remove it, we have the gall to think God isn't doing anything. God said, who do you think helped you carry that burden all this way? You ain't carry that burden by yourself. In fact, you didn't do most of the lifting. (laughs) Yeah. You, know, you ever help somebody move and you, and, and, and you I heard Brother Farron say this yesterday. When I hear somebody talking about taking the weight, that means when when we're going up the steps, that person will stand at the bottom and catch the weight and you just kind of keeping it in, you know, guiding it at the top. Now let me tell you, if I ever help you move, I'm gonna be at the top, just helping you keep it straight. <laughs> You're gonna get the weight. God carries the weight for us. Now I'm not the one shouldering these burdens. That's God giving me strength to keep going. I'm glad Jesus is a helper to the hurting. Because if I read my Bible right, Romans 3 verse 23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means everybody is hurting. Everybody ought to be glad Jesus is a risen Savior. Because the reason he died on the cross was to help us with the hurt of sin. And he wants to bless us in our distress. He he wants to help us with our sin problem uh, through the gospel call. God requires that we hear the good news that Jesus is a risen Savior. That we believe Jesus to be the Christ. That we be uh, willing to turn from sin. Confess faith in him. And be baptized in his name for the remission of sin. 1 Peter 3, verse 21, Peter declares, The like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Why baptism? Because God said so. This is what God requires that we submit to, to enter into a right relationship with him. And you know when you God, you don't need any more than you'll say so. When God says so, it just is. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. That's God say-so. When we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins, indwells us with his spirit, and he adds us to the church. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation, you want the church to pray for you, and if Father is Either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and sing the song of invitation.